Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable: postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM. For a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Oh, well, good morning, good evening, uh, good day, wherever you are. You're listening to the Short Baller Rugby Pass podcast. Millsy and Scotty, and joined by uh, our good mate Ellie Williams today. Ellie's just adjusting his headphones. It's too loud for you, mate. Sorry, sorry, mate. Yeah, the um, the old wing nuts. They're you've, quite sensitive these days. You've dressed up today. Oh no! Why look have at you him. dressed up? Look at him, like you can't sit at home the whole morning. It's now almost midday. Then all of a sudden, decide to dress up and pretend uh, you work. The life Get of people that here. don't have proper jobs. Yeah, yeah. I have a nine to five job. Well, it's actually I, I was. In the office till seven thirty last night. So, doing what? Hustling. Hustling. You weren't hustling. You were drinking beers. No, that was at two o'clock. <laughs> yeah. And then came back and to so, the office. Yeah, and so had you had a to few ma- more. make up for it. No, his, yeah. his office is, was the bathroom. He was sitting on the toilet, reading stuff.co.nz. That's what he was up That's to. That's not what he reads on the toilet. That's not what I hear. Now, um, uh, boys, it's the last. What uh, do short, I read on the it's toilet? It's the last short ball of the year. Well, you've cleared your history. I know that much. Um, what a year it's been. Uh, it ended with a whole lot of angst and wailing and gnashing of teeth from the New Zealand fans after uh, Ireland, and not even a 60-point drubbing of the Pastafarians could uh, put, <laughs> put paid to the general low-level hysteria around this all-black side. I, w- I wanted to start by asking both of you today, L- let's take a reasoned and um, vaguely objective, given your backgrounds with the team, approach to where you see the All Blacks right now, Warms. Um, I think they're in a good stead. I think um, they've clarified a few players in terms of who they think should be in what position. I think they've, you know, cemented some guys. Um, I also think there's probably six in the midfield combination they're probably a bit mm. undecided on. I think they've also experienced playing a different type of game plan. Um, not as sort of airy-fairy or that's probably not the right word. Adventurous. Adventurous. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went away from that on the tour, I think, and then they realised, well, you know, we have to be adventurous. That's one of our skills, that ability to just go from sort of 90% to 110% is where teams can't keep with the All Blacks. Um, so I reckon generally they're in, in, in a good position going into the World Cup. Um, it's about that excitement. It's about carrying on that form for, for guys, really. It's two losses mm. in a calendar year for the All Black side. Any other team in the world, and, and I don't mean this as a statement of arrogance, I think we'd be pretty happy 
yeah. with that scenario. Uh, do you feel like, Ali, that, that the All Blacks are in pretty good shape, Melzi, or are there things that concern you about what you saw, especially through that November tour? I, I Part of me does. I, I think there is a, a couple of things that, that does concern me. I think I agree. There is a, a factor of sort of, okay, they are. They're in good shape. I think it's something that we actually needed, that the last, you know, there's a bit of edge now. There's an absolute bit of edge in the fact that we've gone at the end of the year Look at the the response to that loss, you know, <laughs> against the Irish. You know, all of a sudden now, we're not up on this pedal store that we have been in the last, you know, two or three years. And the fact is not just is from a playing point of view, but I also think from a coaching. I mean, look look at the way Steve Hansen and Co have come out, and all of a sudden, you've never, I've never seen that side to him, you know, for for a wee while now. The fact that he was under pressure, all of a sudden he's he's trying to, you know, tell people in New Zealand, oh, keep calm. So I think it's a good good chance for them to go away now in the summer and really have a good think about not sort of reinventing the wheel, but what's actually worked for them in, in the past without making too many changes. And I think I love the period, the fact they've gone out, they've tried a few extra things, they've come up with a scenario where you say, well, where's, for example, and I've sort of harped on about this for a wee while, the, the Damian McKenzie, uh, Bowden Barrett sort of situation. You know, where do they go with that now? Where do they go with um, their loose trios? Because I, I still think, um, you know, there's an element there. And, and there's a couple of things that came out. Sam Kane, I know, you know, it's, it's a big injury. And, and from a personal point of view, you don't want to get, get injured like that. But I think it's actually sort of opened up their, um, their thought process there about how that whole area sort of works and what sort of happens. So I do believe they're in they're in good shape. And I think there's a, there's a really good edge about next year. Um the concern for me is, and I know there's, you know, I think four or five games next year to try and get these things right and, and lead into the, to the Rugby World Cup. I just sort of hope that is enough time um, for them to say, well, let's not, you know, stuff around with trying to get something right here. Let's let's just make small changes and try and fix them right up until we get into the Rugby World Cup. Because once you get there, you know, you can't be sort of second guessing yourself. And yep. that's what kind of happened in 2007, yep. right? When we were yep. sort of going in fast feet boys with FFB and it was kind of like, it was basically the same game plan, but all of a sudden we were renaming. You don't want to be doing that sort of stuff come, you know, Rugby World Cup. And that's that's my only concern. Yeah, you want to clear the head. You want to go into it with, you know, that excitement, that thought on the guys' heads that it's about bring the energy. You've got one crack at it, but, you know, we don't want to keep educating or changing the changing that type of thing around new stuff to the guys. They just want to go into that cup just fully well, that, enjoying themselves. Ellie, that's been the all-black catchphrase, uh, catchphrase for well, the last decade that I've broadcast the game, clarity. Yep. And, and clarity has been the hallmark of the all-black side. And, and that I think that's what's put the fans and the pundits on edge a little bit about what we've seen uh, over certain test matches this year, that lack of clarity. But I, I would say this about the, the McKenzie, Bowden Barrett, dual playmaker role with Richie Mwanga's in that yep. mix as well. Ben Smith on the wing. Most people see him as a fullback. He's not a winger. Right, okay. straight. I know, but here's the he's thing. He's a flipping fullback. Yeah. And he's the best in the world. It's right. just ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, that's I, my no, point, Sumer. No, and that's fair, but that most teams get to trial things because the expectation is they don't have to win every game. Yep. You guys have been in this scenario where if the All Blacks need to trial something – it's no point trialing it against a team that's well down the rankings no. because it's going to happen for you anyway. So trialing this against England, a very good side, against Ireland, too good for the All Blacks on the day, against the Springboks and their pomp, those are the times where the All Blacks have tried things this year. Yep. I think that's the departure. 
they've said, you know what, it's no point in running plan B against opposition we know we're going to beat. Let's run these plans against teams where we don't know the outcome. That's Mm. where we're going to test the metal of these plans Mm -hmm. and these philosophies. I don't know if they're 100% convinced in what they've seen. And it's interesting you mentioned right in your opening remarks, mate, about players that have cemented their position and those spots still up for grabs. Mm. I think that back three is still fluid. I don't think they're settled on a back three. I think they would like to be, and they would like to be a little bit further ahead than where they are. But as you said, Milsey, four or five tests next year, one of those against the Tongan side that, you know, with all respect to Akali Tahi, that's a fait accompli, (laughs) historically speaking. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So... You know, that I look at the midfield. I think that's really fluid. Yeah, yeah. I think that Adi Savia, despite everything that he brings to the game, is lacking that one dominant defensive element that Sam Kane was so good at. And I think that worries the All Blacks because they need a six there in that case who's going to do that for them. Mm, yeah. That allows Kieran Reid to play a bit wider. Their midfield, they've got four or five options there. I don't think they yeah. settled on one all season long. Yeah. So I think there's some elements here that, that need some jiggery-pokery, and this is going to keep them up at night over the summer season, I think. Yeah, and I guess your point with clarity, I mean, they had a great season, fantastic the way he played. Artie, Artie Savia is probably a perfect example. You know, the fact that his skill set, yes, he can get over the ball, you can, uh, he, he can tackle, yeah. he can hurt and, players. And he's amazing. And he's I'm, amazing with the ball care, he but he, he kind of just seems... You know, one week I'm doing this, the next week I'm yeah. doing that. And there's no real clarity in terms of the fact, well, this week, you look back and when we had the likes of Jerome and, and Jerry and Rodney and Co., they all knew their role. It wasn't, you know, Jerry's role wasn't to blim and get over the ball. We, we kicked deep and to South Africa and, and Berger was there and it was just kind of like, mate, we just want you to smash him. And, and when we see him to pull a handbrake or sort of deviate the other way, well, we've won that. We've yeah. won that battle. Yeah. And at the moment, um, you know, with Jerome, someone coming around the corner, whether, you know, from uh, the Europe, European side, you know, you knew as soon as he hit someone, they weren't going to come back the next time. And it's just putting that little bit of doubt in their minds about that physicality. Now, Artie poses all those attributes. But the thing that he, that's lacking at the moment is, well... <laughs> You know, this week, what am I going to focus on? Am I going to be this dominant guy that's just going to smash the crap out of guys on defence, let Rito run out wide and just do, and just do that? And I and I think yes, Squire, he, he carried a bit of injuries this year. Yeah. Perhaps that was his role. Mm. Uh, and I just think we're just lacking that uh, in, in, in that area and lacking clarity. Yeah, I think it'll come. I think we, you know, we touched on it around that whole. They've tried things this year and they've tried them against good opposition. You know, you know what it's like. Next year, it'll be, mate, this is your role. You've either got to be the best at it or we're not picking you. Mm. Yeah. If he's better than you, he's better than you. Because now it's not about experience. Now it's not about 2020. It's about this year and this year only. I, you know, you know, I, I reckon Artie will be the seven. I, you know, I hope Sam gets back. But, you know, I've seen Anthony Borak. I've seen a few guys yeah, go through that. It's a long way back, it's, mate. It's a hard old digging. Yeah. You know, if there is one guy with the guts and the desire to do it, it's him. Because let's let's face it, he's our next captain, and so we want him to be there. Um, but if he's not, I think you know someone like Artie will. He can fill that role. Ben Smith is definitely a fullback. We're not going anywhere <laughs> yeah. near. It's like Mills playing at centre. He's good for the Blues, and he'll win us a championship there, but not in the All Blacks. Um, it's like me at six. 
I only played one scrum at six. Did you six. actually play six? No. I, locked, I, I packed down for one scrum How'd at you six. Go? Um, I came off about two minutes later because that was half time. And Shag said, what the, with a lot of explicits saying, get the hell in that scrum. Got I Sam Whitelock and said, get it. Mate, have you seen the explosiveness on me? <laughs> it's just, poof, break off. I'll be in there. I don't know, that, maybe they were talking that stride, about that. stride, mate. Is that four-meter stride of yours that would have got you there? Yeah, the drunken giraffe wasn't the most um, picturesque. Look, so it I, worked for you. Naholo, I think he's definitely a shoo-in. I think the back three is concrete. You do. In, in my opinion, I think the back three is concrete. They were just trying to find a place for, for McKenzie um, if Bowden was was down and out. And I I think they've realized that he, he can't play um, – you know, he's not a starting fullback ahead of Ben Smith in those big games. He's coming off the bench and he's going to add something serious. Him and Mwanga, you, McKenzie, and that's when Bender goes to the wing and that's why they put him at the wing because you couldn't have McKenzie at, um, on the wing and Bender. And, sure. So, look, that's my humble view. Um, well, but it's an, it was another year of utility value, right? We, yeah. We, we were looking at players, and over the last decade, we've gone from who's the best specialist mm. to what do you offer in a wider sense. Mm. And a lot of those backline players can play 12, 13, can play on the wing, can play fullback, can play 10. Are we at risk of getting too carried away with versatility yeah. over specialization? Because it's a nice yeah. thing to think that everyone can play two positions, mm. but as you alluded to, at test match rugby level, that's yeah. a tough ask. Well, it's the makeup. It's it's. I mean, if you go on, um, you, well, talking back through, you go on what Wams is talking about. You're in the hollow, uh, you're Wani on one end, and then Bender at the back. Well, then, okay. So the views McKenzie is coming in there and sort of seeing if he, he can actually um, fulfil his um, his key role in that in that area. In Test Match 40, it's a lot different, and that's and, and it's all about your decision-making. It's It's being able to make really good decisions, particularly in the back three, and being solid as a combination. And that's perhaps where they thought, well, can McKenzie do that? Yes, he's elusive. He can make things happen out of nothing. Okay, so he's done that. There's a few times when perhaps they've just lost their way a bit, and so now the coach is thinking, well, because he can play 10, and we've asked him to play 10 for the Chiefs, Maybe that's a role he can fulfil there. The fact that he can come off the bench, he can fill, he can. If Bowden goes down and we need a ten, can he take over and 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 lead the way in, in the ten role like he did against um, the, the Frenchies? Or, or if we need some injection of um, you know sort of flair and and things like that, do we put him on the um, on at fullback? So perhaps that's what they're, they're sort of looking at. So, but where does that put Maunga? The because last time I disagreed with you, Millsy, was um, three a.m. Um, in a nightclub, and I'm going to strongly disagree with you here, mate. McKenzie can't play ten. I'm not saying he can. I'm There's saying no this is the coach's. These are the these. This perhaps is the coach's thinking because you've got to remember at the start of the year they asked him to play ten for the Chiefs. He won't play ten for the Chiefs this. But, but then why would they come out this whole time and go? Okay, he's a ten. He's a ten. He's a ten. And then all of a sudden he's playing fullback now. My, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a ten. The question though, didn't they? And that's why we come back to that. What's the season? What was the purpose of this season? Yeah. One is to always win because you're all blacks, but two was to try things. That's right. Going into 2019, there is massive clarity around McKenzie. You're a fullback. That's that's where I reckon they'll go, and because they've got to have learnt from what we did in 2007. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. But what I'm saying is perhaps that's where the coaches have thought. Okay, can he actually handle being in, in at ten? And is that their makeup? And so. You know, from sitting from the outside, well, perhaps I've said, well, no, he can't do that. Mong is probably yeah. better suited at doing that role. I've gonna, always are been. Are you going to carry both of them on the bench? Well, you can't. You get, well, you, you can, can carry McKenzie as an outside back. Yeah. And, and you Mwanga. can carry Mwanga as a 10. 
Correct. And then what have a halfback? What, yeah. what, and then sort of move things around in the in the midfield in the midfield. And so what? Put where Ben Smith in midfield? Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, that, I know this is problematic, right? Exactly. This is problematic. So are we talking Hence about? Hence why we're the guys behind the microphone <laughs> yeah, chucking the problems yeah, at them, not looking for solutions. I'd rather be here than there making that oh, decision yeah. because yeah. McKenzie's a wonderful player. So is Moanga. So is Barrett. So is Bender. I mean, you you can't look at that team and say none of you guys deserve Certainly, to be there. Yeah. They do, based on their ability. But the fact is, we're talking about picking a team to win a Rugby World Cup and what's the best mix in that team. If we, if we had to go through right now and look at, of all the players, and remember last year 54 All Blacks were used on the end of year tour. This year 51 have been used. And there was 51 at one stage on this tour with the Japan uh, extra test. So that's a lot of players to wheel through and to see what they've got at international level. Y- you take Franks, you take... I think at the moment Cody Taylor's still just ahead of Dane Coles, whose yep. comeback I think is one of the greatest stories of the year. Yep. And you've got Moody, that's your front row. You've got Whitelock and Retallick, that's your locks. That, that, that to me, that front five is set, yeah. barring injury. So I think that's pretty clear around where they need to be there. Mm-hmm. You've got I think Carl, that. And Carl, yeah, Carl well, he's going to come through, right? Put a strong foot up, I reckon. And I think he learnt a lot too. Yeah. Like you know, against the Irish when he went backwards a couple of times, I think yeah. he's learnt that. You know, he's he, he'll be he'll be you know he'll be pushing for a starting position yeah, too. I that I mean, they're good. Really. That's a good front row. Tyg yeah. Furlong oh. and Kian Healy and Rory Best. I mean, Furlong's the best in the world. Tyg. Oh, yeah. unreal! Yeah, he is unreal. Your locks are set. We know that much. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you've still got an issue around six, but Adi Savia strikes me as the natural starting seven. So seven and eight are pretty much covered, whether it's going to be Squire or Fafita or some other bolter like a Barrett coming in at six, mm-hmm. I don't know. Halfback's interesting at the moment mm-hmm. because TJ Pettinata has taken his opportunities this year. Yep. And you've got Bowden Barrett, who they back as their 10. That leaves you 12 and 13 combination. I, I think Anton Leonard-Brown is probably the most improved All Black this season. He's my centre. He's your centre? Yep. Next year. He's solid. And I'm, I'm a massive Ryan Crotty fan myself because yep. Crotts will never let you down. But you know how much I, I value Jack Goodhue's role in the game mm. as well. And now that's a young combination, Goodhue and Anton Leonard-Brown. I reckon that's the combination. I think it's a 100-test combination. Yeah. I think I think they're pretty good, those kids. They are good. They, yeah. are, they, are, they are very good. I think uh, I agree with you, Sumo. I think... Um, Anton's, you know, he's finished the season off well. He's always, uh, he's, uh, what, I, what I like about Albie is the fact he, he's got something else too. You know, he's just not coming on just to sort of sit there and be really solid. You know, he can hit a nice short ball mm. defensively. sound. If someone's going to shoot out of the line, he's strong enough to, to um, sort of shrug them off. But I think the key to that is, Key to him being out there is the combination. You know who's going to be on the on the inside, and that's the, the stuff. On you know, you, Crotty's good. He's, he's he's great. But do they put someone like SB in there for X Factor? Yeah. And that's all that, or, or good here. I mean, good Hugh's solid too. Or, can you hear it? Can up. you hear it? It's Manonu. You got to bring him back. Can you imagine bring him, him mate. back? The dreads. I I wouldn't write him off. I honestly really? wouldn't write him off. I would've, really? I would've, he no, has no. he has he's changed his life in the last four or five years. Yeah. His body is in good nick 
and real Mark, good, real good, real good. Well, I haven't seen him look since Ab Committee in two thousand and three. <laughs> I haven't seen him look this good I, for a long time. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, he's oh, oh you missed yeah. it. Remember, oh, you never committee. turned up. Oh, the old Ab Committee. That would be. I mean, that would be a bolt out of the blue, though, wouldn't it? I mean, genuinely. Why? They, they know what he's going to give you. Yeah, I know that, but we all know what he's going to give you, and you know he's been there before. You imagine someone like, um, you know, Anton Leonard Brown looking and going, "Whoa, it's Ma." You know, can you imagine? And 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 with respect to Mark, when he's on fire, he's, oh, he's, he's one massive. of the best. He's ma- if he gets a bit grumpy, he's he a bit tricky. You know what I mean? But I mean, I just I wouldn't write him off. He's come back because of situations that you know I don't know how public they are, and um, he's he's, he's he ready won't to turn go. It down. Well, well, you know, it's far be it from me to say no chance. I mean, this guy's just got to put a season of Super Rugby together. He's got a great opportunity with the Blues. Uh, you know, who are going to ride on the back of Auckland's success at NPC well, they'll, level? They'll, they'll get into the semi-finals, the Blues, next year. Are you calling that? Yeah. This is massive from you. Yeah, I mean, I know you're not, not afraid of a big call, but mate, they, they'll, they'll, they'll hit the semi-finals oh, next year. I reckon they will too. Oh. I love Don't this. look at us I, like we're I'm stupid. not looking at you like you're stupid. I just love the confidence. It's, oh. it's, this is great stuff. I, I know. I know. We've been saying this for what three years on this yeah, podcast yeah. now. Yeah, I about. think they will. I think they will. But I, I think Ma is key. Yeah, he's people see him and they 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 tend to think about what he has been in terms of where he's come from, his attitude and things like that. Mate, fat, great All Black. He's a centurion, you know? 100%. But he, he's a different person now. He's yeah. more focused. The last four or five years, it's it's all being about enjoying maturity. I suppose when you yeah. grow up, eh? Some, some of us do once. But um, I'm, when I'm you start to grow up, he's, he's, you start realizing, you know, what's sort of important in life. And here's a guy that sort of, um, you know, I don't even think he, he doesn't even know. He, does, he looks after his body really well. He doesn't drink anymore. Or he, he's focused on his family life, but he also he looks in such good nick. And, and I just think uh, his his maturity and his experience will rub off on these Blues players. And I think I'd give him a chance for the ABs. Right. I, I like it. I really like it. I want to touch on some of the other things that happened this season. Um, what was the biggest domestic story of the year? Was it Crusaders going back-to-back, a guy like Crocky making 200 games? Was it Auckland's resurgence at NPC level? What was the one local rugby story in New Zealand that, that you think uh, summed up the season for you? Well, look, I'm very one-eyed, but... You can be one-eyed. I mean... He's one. He's one I had two goes down and commentates in Canterbury. Then all of a sudden, oh yeah, I played for the Crusaders. <laughs> I won them a championship, mate. Oh, I didn't gee. just play for them, mate. Here we go. So you won. Where are you, where you won? I where, here we go. See? You see what I mean? Wow. It's cut. There it is. There it is. There it is. Uh, see the the problem sometimes is people are just a little bit more too reserved, and you know, I really appreciate and love my time down there. And so what are you one eyed? What are you one eyed for? Was it true that I'm an Aucklander through and through? Oh, there we go. What, was okay, it true that Crusaders. that you originally were going to live with Carter, but they made you live with McCaw because they were worried about what you? So if you live with Carter, potentially a little bit is, of truth around that one, Sumo. Exactly, yeah. I love that. No, no. We, well, Dan and I genuinely looked each other in the eye and said, "Is this a wise decision, my good friend?" And we said, "No." So yeah, they put me with Aquaman and Mister Car- and Mister McCaw. She was boring buds. She's such a boring cook. He cooks so a good stir fry though, apparently, doesn't he? No, we just had spuds, meat, and two veg. You know, was that was just, it. Like, yeah, that was that. It was, and then we we started flying model aeroplanes. We were losers. What? Yeah. I had to try and be like socially accepted by him. <laughs> so I started flying model aeroplanes with him because no. I couldn't fly. Yeah. He took no. me on yeah, he took me on flights and everything. 
That was how you spent your time. You'd train, you'd play, you'd do model airplanes yeah. and eat meat and two veg with yeah. McCaw. Yeah. That's amazing. Sometimes he'd read me a bedtime story <laughs> too. Because he's a big I reader. Eh? Did. And, I, and I wouldn't. So, yeah. All right. So, okay. so, so my, my as, thing is. My as thing interesting is, as your flatting life with McCaw is. <laughs> you loved Auckland. I, I love Auckland and I love the resurgence around it. I love the fact that Graham Henry came in. Mm. I fact that, um, you know, two Wellington boys through and through came in as coaches and they pulled it back to what they believe their culture's about, the island culture, and, and, and they implemented that on the style as they played, but also in the culture that they lived, and they mm. didn't try and change it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They had a few of the old people, Mike Casey and the scrums there. He did a great job, by the way, Machine. He did a really good job. Great job. And he is very, very good. He is... He's unbelievable. And, and then you look at the players, and, and it's not around the win per se, but it's to me it was around the attitude and how they won. Most of Auckland teams in the past, you know, whatever, would have rolled over or would have slowly been bent. But they just kept that – they had that mindset and that, that grit that we haven't seen for a long time. So it wasn't yeah. – they were the best rugby players, but they just had a grit yeah. that Auckland was – anonymous for in the in the 80s 90s and you know when Mills was on fire until he went to the Chiefs um so it's it's to me that was the most impressive part about about Auckland and the the locals yeah I see I like that because we had Ted on the on the Mm. podcast a few weeks back and you know their their one word was respect that's what I was going to say yeah bring back respect Respect. earn the respect of the Auckland public and They couldn't have done a better job than that. Well, what I lo- but the, the fact was they didn't. So is this your moment? No, no, no. no I'm oh. just saying. No, it's, oh, no, it's not. I'm just trying I've to get a different to I'm just sort of backing you up here. But you're, you're right. Like the thing is, it's all right having you know you know all this stuff that you talk about behind the closed doors and the whiteboard, and you come up with your team motto and that. And that was the thing. They wanted respect. They they were so deep in the fact that, they, that all they wanted was the um, the public to respect them. But then to carry that out onto the management as well upstairs yeah. with the CEO Jared Bear in there, and then uh, when you, um, I know, I know, and we've we've spoken about the fact it was a free final and things like that, and what are you setting up? But to have that yeah. and say, you know, we're backing the boys because this is our our whole unions. Um, this is what we believe in, and this is what we want to gain out of it. Not just the team over there and us up here. And if everything goes right, we'll jump on board. No, let's do this for rugby, for for everything. Yeah. And so that's why it was. Um, you know, I agree with Wams. It's it's it was, it's such a good moment, and the fact that they came back and and played with some real heart. My moment of the year would have to be, and I see said this on Team Talk, the Crusaders going back to back, because I, I just believe last year was was huge. Going over there and for the first time, a team's actually crossed. The Indian Ocean. Indian Ocean and gone over there and, and won. But then to do it again, you know, the way that they did it this year, once hit the, the finals, and obviously when you're involved, uh, when you guys won it, I mean, it was just, they just turned the heat up again. And when, when, you, uh, when you leave guys like, a, I mean, the whole thing that they did around um, Croc Villa 
and the fact they left him out and the way they did it, but it almost the guys just sort of jumped on that and thought far out. Here's a guy that shows plenty of money. He's been around for a yeah, fifty thousand games. We're right? not going to lose us yeah. now. And he, he's there, and he's because it could have been it could have been so easy for him to go. Oh yeah, my time's done, and yeah, yeah. I'm not going to you know blah blah blah. Do you know that the best thing about that is you know Crocky went through his disappointment as he talks about in uh, in his book, but that you wrote great book wrote. too for Christmas. Get it? Go get a, go get your hands on it. Um, but what I laugh about Crocky because we all know how much of a clown he is. He addressed the team before the final. Mm. So here's a guy who's getting through his own personal disappointment, and it was pretty intense, as mm. you can imagine. Oh, mate. But he's still fronted in that changing room before the game, gave them the address before the game, and he was presenting their jerseys to him. And this is so crocky. He gave his address, got a bit of dust in the eye, and then started walking out. He had to be reminded that he was still had to present the jerseys. It's <laughs> the day of the final, Crocky. What are you up to? I, I, look, I agree with that. The thing about it, you you were coached by Robbie Deans, so you understand his philosophies around theming and around the culture of the team. Yep. There's no surprise for me that Scott Robertson has taken a lot of his cues from what Robbie Deans did. He's probably Robbie Deans on acid, razor ray. I would say that. But you know, look that that's the succession. I think Todd did it his way, and he was unlucky. I think Todd Blackett had never to win a title, but yeah. there, you know, he would be able to uh, better elucidate us on on what he thinks are the reasons behind that. But there is no doubt in my mind that Scott Robertson's team first approach, yeah. and team above all, mm. and then building that culture from within that's very inclusive, very family oriented, very friendly, and very positive. That, that is a huge reason the Crusaders are back-to-back champions again. Yeah. And and he, he learned from one of the best in Deans. Yeah, you tell that story about Crocky presenting the jerseys and, and the stuff. We used to have this thing around Deansy. And Deansy, you'd sit there and he'd be like, oh, come into my office, eh? let's let's have a chat. And you'd go in there and, you, and you'd walk out and you'd be like, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, yeah that's for the team. That's going to be awesome. And then you'd be like, mate. He's just dropped me. Yeah. And you're thinking they're going, yeah. hold, hold on, take five. He's just dropped me. And I'm going out going, yes, it's so good for the team. And I'm like, well, this is. And, and so where you see Razor Ray and Crocky, mm. he's been under it. He would have walked in going, yeah, this is awesome. And then he would have realized, holy, I've just been. And then, but that, that whole process is, don't worry. It's the team first and self second. And, you know, it's pretty special. And Crocky's a, I mean, we all speak so highly of Crocky, and for him to do that was it's pretty. But, pretty yeah, and that's the thing. Like it's all right doing that, and it's you know, I mean, it's it's human nature. You're gonna have disappointment. I mean, but let's put it into context. It's that was, that was the last time he was gonna ever oh, play for the Crusaders again. That's yeah. brutal. And man. if that was a, if that that's was brutal. not a perfect time to say, well, stuff use. Yep. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get my my um, bloody um, last game and and play in the final. Well, that was the perfect time to do it. But because I've created this. Damn, not saying that anyone else, anyone else does it around the thing, but mate, that, that's why this culture and, and Canterbury and the Crusaders yeah. are so mm. great. He's captaining the Barbarians this weekend, apparently. Oh, is he? Yeah, he reckons the South Africans can really hoover the diesel. I wonder well, how he goes, mate. Well, the first Croc thing's first, he's, in the team photo, he's forgotten his jacket. So that oh is, it's going exactly the way you thought it was going to go. Um, I, I I agree with you, Millsy. I, I mean, and that, that's certainly a big moment for me, the Crusaders. But, you know, I also... The personal milestone for Croc, and I don't know, I've got an obvious bias here, but bias to, to like love affair. Like I, I do love genuinely. Him, I do. Like, if I, you yeah, weren't married, then yep, I do love you. Two would probably be in a but, relationship. Do you know? There's two things this year that that for personal milestones: Luke Brownlee, 200 games for Buller, uh, yeah, the yeah, smallest yeah. union in the country, yeah. 
and to watch the entire town of Westport form a guard of honour for him as he ran out yeah. for his 200th game. that That's an incredible milestone. No one's done that in, in Heartland Rugby, mm. ever. He is a freak show, Luke Brownlee. And Crocky running out in a stadium name for him. Mm. And, and then all of the little details around that, the Highlanders and Crusaders all lining up yeah. to honour that man. Yeah. And even to the point of getting Corey Flynn to present him with his tie heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Flynn's input into that team over a very long period of time, I think is one of the most underestimated elements of Crusader's yeah. success. Yeah. Corey Flynn was the ultimate team man oh, yeah. in that franchise for a long time. And it was a very special moment, I know, for Corey and for Crocky that those two were together on that stage going yeah. through that presentation. Yeah. Now, those are the things about our game that we can't lose sight of. While we're all worrying about the high-level stuff and, and who's going to be in the Bucks in the World Cup, those are the things about our game still, the traditions and the, and the great moments that fill your soul. Mm. And you've still got to have your soul filled in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we run the risk of becoming football, a pointless exercise in profiteering and cash, yeah. And who needs that? Oh, he's right, eh? Because like, I used to play you know, football. <laughs> when you go when you go overseas to the European clubs, they don't have that kind of culture nah. here, like like we do, right? You know the backseat stuff, the in the the court quarters and the change. No, yeah, look, any club rugby game, and they're like, we're having a court session, and you're like, whoa, I'm out of here. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't, I don't know. I've I've seen some bus ride photos from France. It looks like it can no, get pretty no, different. No, there's no ranking. Anyone yeah. can sit. Anyone. What? Basically, the the boys whoever Heresy. wants to be, they sit at the back and all that. What about disappointments? Because I've got one, and, yep. and, and it's quite broad. And I say, my my, I've got a real concern about Super Rugby, the structure, mm -hmm. what we're doing. Are we bastardising our game? Mm -hmm. Are we working together as three unions? No, that's obviously not. No, that's not happening. And 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 to me, I've got a real concern around what is the purpose and what are we trying to achieve in Super Rugby? Because it just it's starting to lose. So so that, what what is it thing. right now that you see it as trying to be? Well, it's trying to be an international competition, right? But it's limiting itself by the sort of one, the travel, two, the um, the terrible marriage of Senza. Correct, and then and three, I think the 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 fact that we're constantly giving out the same product, but in a different format, e.g., a good game, a bad game, wet weather, not wet weather. When okay. we're not actually mixing up teams and combination, you you play the Heineken Cup. It's awesome. Every, Every year, year is it's different. different. It's yep. just got a different picture. It's got a different feel. It doesn't matter if you're playing the same venues. It's got a different feel. And to me, I'd like to see Super Rugby sit there and go, we we got to do something drastic about this. Mm -hmm. Whether we get rid of Japan, whether we get rid of Argentina, whether we reduce the travel, we keep these guys here, and it's just New Zealand and Australia. South Africa are gone. Well, that's the thing. Gone. Well, this is the thing for me, Alec, because South Africa sits there and decides to use threatening tactics yeah. to say we're going to take our game, we're going to take our toys out of the sandpit, we're going to go play with someone else. My my point of view on that, and we've spoken about this at length on the pod. Go then. They've gone. If you don't like it, go, go. and we can focus on this side of the hemisphere. Because I want to see America brought into Super Rugby. Yeah. I want to see Argentina flourish. I want to see Australian rugby flourish. And more importantly, I want Pacific Islands to experience Super yeah, Rugby. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, if you based a Pacific Islands Super Rugby team in Auckland City, <laughs> as the Tongan Rugby League team oh, have proven time and time again, as Samoa has proven time and time again, yep. you will have one of the most profitable franchises in Super Rugby on your doorstep in the world's largest Polynesian city. It is a freaking no-brainer. Who would be Tongan's beer sponsor? Because there'd be a lot of PR nightmares there, wouldn't 
You might not need a <laughs> you might not need to be a sponsor. Peter Alatini. <laughs> Peter Alatini. No, but look, I, I totally agree with you. They've got to streamline this. We've got to say, as you say, get rid of South Africa. They don't they want to go anyway. Do they all though? Their, all their players want to go. I was all up their there. players want to go. All their players want to go. The only people that don't want to go is the fish heads sitting in that Sanzar group. That's the only ones that don't want to go. But this is a but this is about macro politics as much as it's about it's rugby. I mean, it's a it's a no brainer for the guys like Skulk Brits and Franco Mostert and all these others to go. I'm yeah, going to go ready. play in Europe I'm because what the, same time zone, three yeah. times the money, same time zone. Same I'm, time I'm good zone. to go. Yeah, and so. I don't have to worry about locking my car while I go through traffic lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that may be a factor. Well, they need to. I mean. I mean the Heineken Cup or the the championship in the Challenge Cup, it's fantastic. But they also they don't have to travel very far, so you get rid of that element and just say, well, if you're going to focus on the Pacific Islands, America, where it's only a ten hour flight straight from wherever, and have this is what they've got to do. Someone's got to have the balls to say, well, okay, we don't need South Africa then. We don't need them. If they want to go, then let them go. But that's my point about Sansa. Okay. What is it? It's a front. Let's put, it's my, a, let's put my CV together, boys. Yeah. Let's do this. But it's an awkward front at the moment. It doesn't work because it's an arranged marriage that doesn't even control its own competition because it's there to further the own policies of the individual unions. So it's not a standalone thing. It doesn't run its own competition. You can't get clarity out of Sansa. They always put you back to their... Home union. Yeah. The home union says, we can't answer that. Mm. You've got to go to Sansa. That's been happening for 10 years. Is it television rights? Is that the one that's going to be the... The TV rights deal coming up in 2021 yeah. is fundamentally crucial to the survival of the sport in the yeah. Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no doubt about that. That's where we get rid of them. Because they no were the ones that were holding us. Remember, was it 2-8? Well, the, the but, but they used to be other. responsible, the yeah. South African Union, for the vast majority of broadcast yeah. revenues. Yeah. I don't know those The Curry Cup was huge back then. Yeah, and now it's, that's, the population was big. Yeah, exactly. The interest in the game was big. Yeah. So, of course, they had more money in the pot. But I don't know if that's true anymore. Well, it might I have come back with their results. So Could have too. There might be a resurgence. It's not what we need. Now... We're going to finish up, boys, by um, the one issue that has dominated the headlines here in New Zealand uh, this week, and that is coaching issues. <laughs> coaching issues. To finish before Christmas, Steve Hansen yet to make a decision on his coaching future. Story released uh, globally uh, just three or four days ago, uh, suggesting that he's angling for a director of rugby role with New Zealand Rugby. That paves the way for Ian Foster to assume the All Blacks head coach's job. Uh, Joe Schmidt has said he's finishing coaching with Ireland. He said he's finishing coaching. Uh, he hasn't exactly in black and white said, I'm not coaching the All Blacks. But if Steve Hansen takes the director of rugby role or if New Zealand rugby make this happen for him, does that limit the number of candidates who now want to come in and coach the All Blacks, knowing full well that they'll be coming in and their boss will be the immediate ex-coach of the All Blacks? Unlucky ones. You're gone, skis. <laughs> you better take your bloody name out of their head, bro. You're gone, bro. Oh my gosh, it's a big que- it's a big question. <sighs> Look, we've all got our opinions. We, you know, Mills and I know Steve far better than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, yeah, it's concerning that he's to me. You'd sit and you'd say, well, what what do you want to achieve out of that? Um, out of being in that position. He might have a plan that we don't know about, and you know you've got to wait and you've got to hear that plan. But you know, to me as a coach, you want to go into a team knowing that it's your reign yeah. and it's your ability to say, "I'm implementing this." Razor Ray at the Crusaders, I'm implementing this. Mm-hmm. 
Alama Romeo, I'm implementing this. And that's to me is the concern you've got if he still has a position there. Who's gonna take it? Are we gonna get the best people? Fozzie, look, I've I was I think I had one year under Fozzie or two years under Fozzie. Um I don't know him as a head coach. You've you've got more views on that. I, I don't know him as a head coach, so I can't really bat. I, I was with Joe Smith, he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we have so many global coaches out there that could take this team and and, and run with it. My other concern is around um the backbone of the team. Your George Duncans, your Pete Gallagher's, your Gilbert Anokas, your Darren Shands, your Mike Crons. What happens to those guys? Mm-hmm. Do they all stay with Sh- um, Steve? Do they stay there or do they all leave with him? If they all leave with him, I think we've got some real problems. Sure. Um, so to me, as um, Steve Chu's um, right hand man and, a, and advisor, um, <laughs> you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful on that. On, yeah, on don't play that down, mate. Completely. Don't play that down. You'll be on the phone to Chewy in no time, bro. I understand oh, man, about succession, and that's where the All Blacks have been very successful in terms of their players. Yeah. Succession planning. And coaches. And coaches too. Yeah. But what concerns me is the false logic at play here, that you could only be successful if you've been in the All Black environment, because it, it, it doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. Yes, you've been successful as a team, as a management group. Mm-hmm. That does not mean... And you cannot scientifically prove that another coach with another management group can't be just as successful. Now, you can claim you've been successful and the facts are there. This is a very successful coaching and management group of the All Black side and they deserve praise for that. But that does not negate the fact that another coach can come in and be just as, if not more successful. Totally agree. I think. And, and I, if we look at any coach around the world, do you think they'd walk into the All Blacks and say, right... Clean piece of paper. No, this what there no, is no way. Well, I mean, who would who would ever do that? So they're going to take all the good elements, everything. They're going to say, "Can I fine tune that? Can I mm-hmm. give that an edge? Can I do that?" So they're not going to strip the whole thing. So to me, a coach, a new coach with new energies, new desires, is actually what this team needs. Mm. That's just my view. Is what this team needs. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of the director role like the last thing you want to be doing as a as a coach is coming in and saying and saying that i want to do this 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 and that but i've got to get it signed off by by steve you know because you're constantly looking over your shoulder you know you live by the sword you die by the sword when you come in in an environment like that the biggest thing now and and perhaps this is the stance they take sumo what you're saying it, it could be a a breath of fresh air where they say okay you know i don't think they will i think you need someone in there in the environment imagine that uh, that IP that's in there. You right. talk about the, you know, the shandies, but you know, what we're finding now is those guys have been there for a very, very long time. So if the, all of a sudden there's an exodus of the whole lot, well, mate, there's going to be a player exodus. Well, we know and, that because and, of retirements and guys who've just run their course in the game. Absolutely, but the, the it's it's the environment. When Don Tricker was in there, like noting things down. I'm, I'm I just worry that they don't lose all of that because yes, I know there's an element where you want to bring in. Fresh ideas, all that, but you don't want to want to lose the fundamentals of what's made the All Blacks yeah. so great yeah, over that, these years. There's a template for success, That's right. right? Yeah. Okay. And to finish this little dialogue, here's a question for you: How much say are the players going to have in this? They are. They are the ones who are most impacted by who coaches that team. They are the ones closest to the message. They are the ones who understand what they respond to, what they don't respond to. 
do they have a say? Because no current All Black is going to criticise either the current coach or the guy they think might be the next coach. Mm. All right. So behind closed doors, how do they get their point of view in this appointment process or do they get no say at all? Well, I think they've come a long way. I think there is an element that players do uh, get a say in, in terms of you know the union or Steve Chu appointing someone to come in and sort of go around and sort of talk to guys. Back when we were there, the only time you got a say was when something went horribly wrong. Mm. Okay, so Rugby World Cup 2007 didn't didn't win. Boom, all of a sudden, let's go out there and see what the players kind of want and we can actually ask them. Well, in this situation that, that you're asking, that's possibly too late. And I think there is an element, um, an avenue, sorry, for the for guys to actually sort of, you know, um, you know express what they, they feel. Uh, who, who are those players now? Because there's going to be some very, very young players that, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps don't actually know what uh, they actually want, you know, and, and it could be very, uh, well, they could be influenced by other other factors. Yeah, sure. that, w- that would be me in terms of the fact that you can't ask a player who hasn't been in there to make an impact on the coaching selection. I'm, so sure, I understand so if, we, that. if we look at the players they've got there, Sam Kane, um, Broder Italic, if Sam Whitelock stays on, um, Dane Coles, um, Bowden Barrett, they're probably about the own Bender, but I don't know what Bender's doing. Well, I, um, they're I, I probably just, about the only ones that yeah. could form a group. Yeah, that could say, "Look, we've got an, a view from here, but, but and that, a view to but go here." But it's got to be now before an appointment's made, be. not when they finish their careers. Correct. No, but what late. I'm saying is, those guys are the ones that are still there. Yep, and will be affected by the new coach because they'll still be there. Well, Bowden Barrett's going to take a sabbatical. Ben Smith is likely to retire or take leave and head overseas. Yeah, is Brady Retallick going to stick around? Probably. He'd be the guy I'm throwing the bank at at the moment. Sam Whitelock, is he going to keep going? Who knows? It's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of guys disappearing out of that leadership group. We know Rito's going to finish up at the end of 2019 World Cup. So, so so you come back and you say, well, there's no real stable player grounding, and that is one of the other concerns of changing this whole thing. There's no real stable grounding of players that can give advice and lead because, I mean. As players, we, we had quite a strong voice in that team. Once we yeah. were in that team, we had a very strong voice. And once mm-hmm. everything would be accepted, we had a, a very strong voice. And, you know, the- but that was, it was open, you mm-hmm. know, it was open to that because a lot of times you can have a strong voice, but if it's if it's sort of met with resi- resilience or resistance, it's, it's never going to happen and you're going to have a big falling out. I think we got to a stage where, you know, the coaches were open for that, that, that voice to be heard. And so you felt comfortable. You felt comfortable because you knew you weren't going to, voice it and then get the chop the following week <laughs> okay so after I voiced mine I'd go around and mow Ted's lawns and then sort of hope to go down to the bloody uh, shags as well mate so I wasn't getting a drop oh, you did alright I, right. I gave Ted a bottle of wine every night <laughs> for 10 years oh that explains a lot oh I know that explains <laughs> all those selections <laughs> when I shouldn't have been in there he's, and, st- he's still uh, working through it too Steve Handsome shush the amount of horses I bought with him got me nowhere nah there's a good joke about that actually Ali Williams Yes, sir. Thanks mate. for being part of the short ball today. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year, mate. Merry Millsy. Christmas. Absolute pleasure. Hasn't it been? Every Absol- week. What's every- this? Is this Tina? What's this? Episode 40? 44? 44. 44. 44. We've done this 44 times this year. Is that even possible? Has I it been 44 weeks this year? these last couple of years have gone. It's I just- know. Jeez, you've come a long way. Though, Shit, so you? look at so have you, mate. Can I jump in here, mate? If you look in the mirror, it'll tell you where it's gone. Because <laughs> you have aged. Genuinely. Oh, yeah. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Have a good Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Don't invite him back, Sumo.